All right, and welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. In this episode, we're bringing you Mr. Jeff Brady of Mystic Outdoors, or as you may know it, Mystic Fly Rods. An awesome U.S.-made fly rod. We're going to learn a little bit about Jeff, Mystic Fly Rods, where they've been, where they are now, and where they're going in the future. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. And we also do a deep dive into some burrito talk. Even a little burrito controversy. So, I think you're going to like that. And don't forget, Mystic will be at the Gear Up for the Mid event, September 27th, 6 to 9 p.m. at Battleborn Beer. So, don't miss them there. They'll have everything out there. That'll be great. And thank you to our sponsors on this episode. Of course, Mystic Fly Rods and Battleborn Beer. Tastes like Nevada. Stay tuned, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. And welcome to another episode of Burritos, Breaks, and Flies. Today, we got an awesome guest, but before I introduce him, I'm here with Taylor Brune, aka <laughs> the prodigy, aka when he's catching yeah, a lot of fish. No. When he's not catching a lot of fish, it's T balls. Yeah, so we're here. Today, we're bringing you an awesome guest all the way from Colorado, Mr. Jeff Brady of Mystic Fly Rods. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, boys. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, can't wait to spend a little bit of time with you and talk a little bit about Mystic, a little bit about fly fishing, and a whole lot about burritos. Like, I'm really stoked about that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the whole premise. Like, It's only the best part. It's only the best part. Like, there's that fly fishing thing we have to get through. And then we'll get to the good part. Yeah, that's what the stuff, that's the stuff people care about, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's but why I'm the, here. It, yeah, right. That's that's how I lured him in. I'm just like, yeah. hey, you want to talk about burritos? And then now, right now, he's literally just finding out that he has to yeah. talk about this like, fly oh, rods. Man, I didn't prep for the fly fishing. Oh, you know, the fly fishing. <laughs> right. He's <laughs> like, man, I talk about it all day long. I got to talk about it again. Yes. And it's going to be great. <laughs> so, Mystic Fly Rods. Uh, you know, I've had some great experiences with them over the, over the summer on Stillwater and River. Uh, Taylor has two. I put it you know, the product in, in his hands, and I think it's a it's a fantastic product. And um, I think maybe you could kind of start the conversation by just letting us little, know a little bit about yourself and and yeah. where Mystic is today, and and you know give people the give them the uh, you know the ten thousand foot view, and we'll move from there. Yeah. No. Thank you, guys. I, I I'll tell you a little bit about. Um, mystic and i'll try and weave in a little bit about myself um, and kind of sure. how i arrived at owning mystic fly rods and you know mystic is an interesting company we've been um we've been a, a we've been around since 05 and you know that surprises a lot of people when i when i tell them that but we've been mm -hmm. a, a, a commercial business since 2005 and uh, we were founded by a guy named dennis klein and Dennis, and I'm going to tell the abbreviated version of this story. I'm, I'm sure Perfect. people that listen to this version of it and know the whole backstory will be like, you miss this, you miss this. I, just let me give you kind of the, the 10,000 foot, like you said, Nico. So Dennis was born and raised in, in a town called Portland, Michigan. And Portland, Michigan is a suburb of East Lansing. So just west of Detroit. And Portland, Michigan, if you've never been there, is an incredibly quaint little town. Uh, it, it really is. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's really cute. It's got a cool downtown. It has a river that runs through it, but you can't fish it. So I find that kind of the irony of the whole thing and the whole story is as there's a sweet river that flows through Portland, Michigan, but you can't even fish it. So Dennis have, you know, was a fly fisherman his whole life. And he had always built his own rods and, 
Um, he had spent some time in South Korea and made some really good relationships with the same blank builders that built blanks for all the rods that you're thinking of right now. And mm. He made really good relationships in his professional life, and he came back and started making custom rods, and he got really, really good at it. And Dennis started to go on regional fly fishing shows, you know, Ohio, um, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, you know, New Jersey, not the big fly fishing shows. These are like little regional shows. And his rods were incredibly popular. And his feedback that he got from people were, man, you should really start selling these commercially. He's like, ah, I don't, I don't really want to do that. You know, I mean, I kind of like what I'm doing now. I have this professional life. Well, Dennis threw caution to the wind and commercialized Mystic Fly Rods in 2005 and came out with a full lineup of rods that every rod in our lineup Dennis designed. And that's still true today. We, we, we're not a company that, you know, grabs the latest Rain Shadow blank and throws a Mystic logo on it. All of our rods were designed by Dennis for a specific functional use. Um, and our, our um, to this day, our rods kind of meet the biggest swath of the fly fishing market um, as far as cost goes. You know, you certainly have your high-end guys that are dead set on spending $1,000 on, on a rod. Awesome. You know, I mean, that's great. You're going to find great – Scott's a great Colorado company that makes great rods and Thomas and & Thomas and, you know, many others. But we wanted to address the biggest swath of the market. And, um, and Dennis ran the company, grew it dramatically over the 12 years that he owned it, um, became a real major player in fly shops across the entire country. Well, Dennis got tired, you know, of doing the circuit and traveling, and he just wanted to step away and go, <coughs> excuse me, go fish. So he left the business, sold the business in 2017, and it was moved to Denver. And um, I ended up buying the business in 2019. The guy that bought it and brought it over there had some success doing it a certain way, but um, really it was underfunded, to be to be quite honest. And so I stepped in, bought the business, and we still have dual citizenship. We still build 80% of our rods in Michigan. And we have the same rod builders that Dennis had. It's a mother and a daughter. And they build rod number 100 just like they build rod number one with the same attention to detail, the same wraps, the same flat. I mean, everything's the same. Um, so I'm really proud that we've continued a relationship with, with those two ladies. We, our operations are in Denver. Um, so our inventory sits in Denver. We do all our warranty work. We have a lifetime warranty on our rods. Uh, that happens in Denver. Um, you know, if you call sales or you email or you call, we operate out of Denver. Uh, but we still have that second location in Michigan. So we have kind of a, a dual citizenship, as it were, uh, in, in Michigan. And <clears throat> for me personally, I, I quit school and became a ski bum years and years and years ago. And I realized that ski being a ski bum was not going to pay the bills. <laughs> it was right. not. It, it it wasn't a it was a life choice more than a career choice, you know. Um, and so I went back, went back to school, kind of went back to Texas, which is where I'm originally from. Uh, finished school, moved to Colorado to chase that ski bum dream again. Made it made it as far as Littleton, Colorado. Littleton is a suburb of Denver. Uh, I got here too late, couldn't find a job. Um, all the ski jobs were full, um, et cetera, et cetera. And my life just kind of happened, you know. You know how that kind of happened, kind of, kind of that works. Yeah. Uh, I met my wife. Uh, we had kids. I got went into my professional life selling software, but I always knew I was going to get back into the outdoor world. And I'd fly fish, uh, you know, ski, camp. You know, do all the things that people do in Colorado and in the outdoor world, heavy on, you know, conservation and the environment. And this opportunity with Mystic came up in 2019. And it took me a little while to kind of pull the plug, you know, kind of kind of jump into it a little bit. Um, I ended up buying the business and starting operations on October 1st of 2019. Oh, boy. <laughs> so when, when I when I did that. 
uh, I still have my day job. A lot of us in the fly fishing industry have two jobs, right? Day jobs and they, and the passion project of fly fishing. So yeah. I wasn't any different at that point. And I was in Omaha, Nebraska for my day job. And I'd been there all day doing presentations and I was with customers, hadn't been on my phone, hadn't talked to anybody about what was going on. This was in March of 2020, by the way. So I head to the airport and I'm on my way to Michigan to go do a fly show and kind of meet, you know, go go do a fly show. It was my first opportunity to get to Michigan since I bought it. Um, so I'm sitting in the airport. I said, yeah, you know what? I better call my wife and just let her know everything's well and the day went fine. I'm flying to Michigan. So I call her and she goes, honey, you haven't paid attention to any of the news, have you? I said, no, I, I'm not sure what's going on. She goes, you're not going to Michigan. I'm like, what are you <laughs> talking about? She said, the whole world changed today. You know, everything's shutting down. Everything's closing. COVID is going crazy. The pandemic, the hysteria part of it, the fear and everything that went along with it. I'm like, oh, honey. You don't know, you know, that's not true. Everything's fine. I'll hop on my plane. We're leaving in 30 minutes. Everything's good. So I hang up. And of course, like most husbands, that little bird goes off in her head and we go, well, she's usually a little bit smarter than I am. I might want to just die. Right, of course. Yeah. So I, so I did. I called up there and I'm like, don't come. We shut down four hours ago. We're not having it. Good luck. We'll talk to you soon. So I rerouted back to Denver. And the whole flight home, I'm sitting there going, what have I done? <laughs> you know, oh, it's no. like, right. I mean, I buy this business, you know, I've invested my own money into it. I believe in it. I believe in the rod. I believe in the mission. But I, I, I like many others in our industry, and I'm sure we'll talk about this as the podcast goes on, had to pivot. We had to figure out how we're going to make it through, you know, this 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 issue the covid you know pandemic and um and and we did and here we are in 2022 and you know things are looking up for us and um you know really proud of our business proud of our brand and proud of our approach we're 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 100 client first and i think that's one of our differentiators we really care if someone's broken a rod we want to get them back on the rod water yesterday you know i mean it's important to them it's important to us so um that's kind of a brief history of of kind of mystic where it came from and where we are now and um hopefully that 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 you know kind of gives you a little bit of a picture of not only the challenges we all faced right we were we weren't immune to that and you you two weren't immune to that but all your listeners had to deal with it as well you know right exactly and you know during that whole pandemic time i think a lot of fly fishers found that the uh the whole social distancing thing was pretty applicable you know it applied to you know and and it, it blew up i mean i know it blew up out here i blew up everywhere but it, it blew up here um like in the reno tahoe area uh significantly like you know our, our local river the Truckee river saw more traffic i think than it's seen probably since its heyday you know back in the 80s and 90s um it just got popular again because it was the thing people could do that at, at that time there was plenty at, at, at the start of the pandemic there's plenty of inventory people are trying to keep their businesses open and they're just they're letting stuff go out the door you know like boom like, yep get it go get it go 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 and what happened you know just you know classic economics right you had you had your demand way up you know so you had your, you had both arcs going up right you had you had you had supply was up here and I don't know we can see this because this is audio, but my hands are I in the air. So, yeah, so here's your like, hands. I can. So you had <laughs> so you had that diving point where like they both meet, right? Your supply and demand, and all of a sudden, like, uh oh, demand starts going, you know, downhill, and that, or I'm sorry, the supply goes downhill, and the demand's going, you know, through the roof, and you know, and, and most of these companies, like, say, if if there was any any imported components, you're out of luck. You know, you had to deal with what you had. Or if you had the ability to manufacture here, your capacity was even limited here. So it basically you just burn through what you had. If it if it happened to be at sea during the pandemic and it hit the port, you were good to go. But then it was just that waiting period. And then of course everything compounded on top of that. You know, if if you were importing anything, your import costs went sky high. You know, so that right. that one that that one component that was twenty five cents 
now at the end is costing you a dollar, you know, so you have this dramatic increase in pricing, you know, and, but at the same time, you know, like if you, if you're dealing with the specific price point you're working with, like mystic, you know, you're dealing with this, this bubble of pricing. You're like, well, if I was charging 300, I can't just go out and charge 500, even though I'm going to suck it on the margin, you know, and I, and I, I don't know if a lot of people see that. I feel like a lot of the fly fishers and fishermen that listen to this podcast would understand that. But if you don't, <laughs> a lot of these businesses, like every business out there was just, just they're eating it, you know, and every dollar that came in went out. But as long as, you know, as long as there was that exchange of money, it was just enough for most of us to keep it going. And I can imagine for you, what you felt during that time. And I think it's it's a big credit to you to take on a company just months before and then literally you you, you actually, that the day of like everything closing down, that's the day you, you wanted to hit the ground running with it. You're like, okay, I got everything figured out. Like I own this now, I got everything figured out. Let's hit the street running with it. And then they're like, oh no, he ain't doing that. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So the fact that you're still here talking to us. Yeah. As the man behind Mystic, that that says a lot. So, you know, obviously, you you you, you did good enough. <laughs> as painful as it may be, <laughs> you did good enough in, in your here. You know, and I think I think from this point, I think what's important is is look, we have a we have a U.S. a, a U.S. made you know product. I mean, like eighty percent of it, right? Right. Um, it, you know, it's it's here. I mean, it's. It's being made, handmade here in the U.S. and making it into the angler's hands. And like you said, wow, you got a mother-daughter team like hand-making these. And it's funny because, I mean, I have I have a couple of these rods. And that's the case. You look at them and you would never know in the back of your head like that these are all done by hand. I mean, like they they look like there's a robot behind it because they're all, like you said, Number one through one hundred and, and and Ford, they do it all the same. They do it all the same. They don't. They don't. They do such miss a, a beat. job. And and, and yeah. you know, like like I said, I mean, it wasn't just Mystic that dealt with it, right? The two of you no. did. Your families did. Your family's Everyone. families. Every one of your listeners did. And and the shock, right? The shock mm-hmm. of that day. And I don't remember. It was like March twentieth or something of twenty twenty. And mm-hmm. um, and and. You know, if you think about the industry in 2020, it actually grew, like like incrementally grew, mm-hmm. um, and and we certainly followed that path as as well. And and for manufacturers, for retailers, for our dealers, for everyone that's in the fly fishing industry, I don't think anyone expected that at all. And you know, I think about fly shops and and our dealer partners that had to close their shops. And they finally got to the point, and I don't know if you remember this, and, and, and it was different in every state, right, where they could take your order and have your orders kind of staged for you in a certain room that you paid for, and you came in and picked it up, and you left, and you went out, and you fly fished, you know. I mean, there were just creative ways that, you know, our industry stayed alive and stayed afloat, and, um, it, it, you know, I hope we don't ever have to go through that again, you know. Right, but I, I think the the positive, right, the glass half full kind of perspective is a lot of people got exposed to our sport that never would have otherwise. And you know, from a business standpoint, that's exciting. But also from a sport standpoint, we want our sport to grow, um, but we want to want it to to grow in a manageable way, right? When you think about the conservation aspect of it, and you think about gosh, I've been on this river for 15 years of my life and I've never seen another fly fisher. And now there's 13 of us standing, you know, side by side. So there's, there's repercussions to it that we have to kind of address as well. But, um, it, it was, it was a quite an interesting year and, you know, and, and for us, again, I don't want to complain at all. And I won't because we went through the same thing everybody else did, but like you pointed out, Nico, like that trip, you know, I was headed back to the homeland. You know, I was headed back to Michigan where it all started and where people know who Mystic is. And um, and and that was an opportunity for me to get face-to-face with old customers, new customers, 
you know, dealers and networks and, and get out and kind of let them know what I'm all about. Um, and I didn't get that opportunity, but, but you could, you could say the same thing about just about anybody in any industry. So I'm not unique in that way, uh, but we had to deal with it. Right. I mean, we had to deal with it. And um, I'll tell you another positive too. Um, and this was in, these are 2021 numbers. Um, and I, I feel like, I personally feel like this is a, an incredibly positive thing. So if you look at the growth of the industry, we flattened out a little bit in 2021, which is to be expected. But the growth came from women mm -hmm. and people of color. Yeah. And I think that's cool as hell. You know, yep. I mean, like that is awesome, right? We're, we're you know, a, we're a white sport. I mean, let's, let's just kind of throw that out. I mean, that's just a fact, right? Yep. Um, and, and I think a big part of that is we're pretty expensive to get into, just like skiing is, just like windsurfing or, you know, any other sport is. But it really gave people the opportunity to expose themselves to, to our sport. And those that caught a fish and felt the tug is the drug came back, you know, and then right. started exploring. And that, you know, kind of circling this back to Mystic and, and our business plan, if you will, you know, our rods go from one hundred and nine dollars to five hundred and sixty nine. That's our range. And we have, I think, seven or eight rods in our lineup, different rods. Yep. Um, and, you know, we're pretty proud of that. Right. Like we're we are achievable for a wide swath of the fly fishing public. Um, and that's by design. Like that's not just, oh, our components are cheaper. Our blanks were cheaper. Our labor's cheaper. It isn't. But we know dang well that if we're going to grow our company, that that's where we're going to grow. Now, I could come out with a $1,000 fly rod. I could. You know, I could easily come out with a $1,000 fly rod. The problem is that that kind of my juxtaposition changes. You know, I, then all of a sudden I become someone that we really aren't. So, you know, for us and kind of going forward, we're going to focus on what we do best. And that's creating and building and delivering damn good fly rods at a really really good price that i promise you catch fish <laughs> you know yeah. they catch they, fish they do and i have to say like a, another thing i mean I'm, I'm gonna be blowing some smoke your way so hold on here i, I think so, we've all seen him catch oh boy fish. yeah yeah but, uh, no, well <laughs> on this part the credibility towards towards that whole business model is i I'm, I'm glad so many people got into it and and a majority of folks out there flooded the market and they went you know the, the first targets are all the big brands and and the names go unspoken but all the big brands that you can find and all the retailers and they got cleaned out right and and so everybody's got those rods in their hands great right they're into the sport now and now here's a unique here's a unique position that everyone's in now they've had time on that rod and if they're sticking with the sport they're going to start fine-tuning their skills they see where their strengths and their weaknesses are, what they like, what they don't like, uh, the styles that they like or they don't like. And and now they can start looking for those kind of drill down into more specific rods. And I think that's where um, you come in with Mystic is yep. like, okay, like, great, you've, you've experienced the $1,000 such and such and such, or you experienced the $199 such and such kit that came with the line and the reel. It's like, Cool, I got that, but hey, let's step it up. And and now they can feel like they could put something in their hand that has that custom tailor feel. Definitely custom look. Because there really is anything else out there like these rods when you put them in the sunlight. They're 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 little pieces of art, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, they are. And 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 they perform, right? So you you got everything. So and I think those are all issues that our address once they get when they get brand a b c d e and f on the water it looked cool in the fluorescent light but it's aesthetics might not be so attractive you know out in the field and to some people that matters some it doesn't all right so let's take that off the table and get to the performance part well no question the rod performs and i'll tell you from my experience just i hate to use the word bottom end but like entry level like your entry like like the reaper x it's a fantastic rod yeah. and you can only go up from there in the mystic line like with the m series and and whatnot but but the thing performs like a champ i know i've worked with a lot of rods 
and and it, it, it's a knockout. I mean, I've landed, and it's funny because taking these rods out and 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 putting them to the test on still waters and and rivers, it's like it's comical because it's like I've come up with some pretty big fish, you know, on these rods, you know, and sometimes it takes a while. I'm going to take this rod out and see what it's worth. Well, I put big fish on them. You know, on the East Walker, I put a six pound rainbow on that thing. Yeah, you know, awesome. I'm just like, holy smokes, you know, on a six weight, you know, and I'm glad I had that six weight. And with Taylor, you know, a few weeks ago, we we're on the Truckee River fishing a specific hole uh, somewhere in Nevada on the Truckee River. We'll leave it at that. I mean, we got a really nice brown, you know, I don't know which, what that which was. spot exactly were you. Can you tell us? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's on that little red dot on the map. Yeah, it's where the burritos are. Got it. It's where the burritos. It's by the place where you park your car and you have to walk in. And unicorns. And unicorns. Yeah. Oh, and you have to wait yeah. in. And and I've been and there. It's an awesome place. I love right, that spot. Right, right. And there's mountains around you too, so if that narrows it down, and a lot of yeah. sagebrush. Yeah. So maybe that drills it down a little bit. But I saw a couple pine trees oh, too. Oh yeah, there is pine trees. Depending on which way you look. I know exactly where you're talking. See? about. See, yeah, it's yeah. a great place. It's yeah, a great place. A good spot, man. And right. one rock. And, and one rock, one rock, bigger, yeah. One out of the water, one in the water, and there was one over there. But that one over there, that's what we were fishing. Yeah. Well, anyway, so when we got into brown, and again, I was on the, I was on the the ten foot six weight Reaper X, and bobber down, and um, and Taylor sees the fish before I do, and he's like, oh man, he's like, stud. he's like, that's the one, yeah, it's a stud. All right, so I hand him the net and let him work it, and it's it's riding me. I mean, it's. It's left, right, up, down, and it's it's trying to get away, and you know. But that whole time, from from the length I was fishing out, I mean, we were casting 45, 50 feet out, probably. So you had a 45, 50 foot, you know, hook set on it, and that's always sketchy. Yeah, you're you know? like, uh, you yeah. probably didn't get a good one, right? right you <laughs> know, and then and then we get them in, and this is where things go bad, right? Is when you get them in close, and we got them in close, and um, I I didn't have any lack of power either at distance or in close range, you know, um, and able, able to muscle that fish, you know, into the net. Like, I mean, we, we handled that fish. Like we gave that thing the onion, like we threw the wrench at it because it was giving us hell. We give it hell. Um, got her in the net or got him in the net, whatever, whatever, whatever he, she is, what, whatever it is, but yeah. <laughs> he Don't got gender. Him. No, no, we didn't gender it. It was just awesome. <laughs> got in the net. You know, got a good picture and let it go. And then rinse and repeat. You know, we, we got a few other nice fish, you know. But in those circumstances, you know, and then using it on brook trout in unnamed lake yeah. uh, in the Sierras, you know, brook trout. I've been there too. So that's yeah. cool yeah. as well. Yep. It's a great place. And in this specific place, the brook trout are eating something um, of the seafood variety. Here, let's yep. give it a hint real quick. Yeah. We have talked about them before. So you we have talked about it before. Them. So just there listen to the rest of the podcast. <laughs> it's in there. Uh, but the brookies, you know, I mean, they're, they're sizable, you know, you're getting the big head shakes on them and, and, you know, the left and right and up and down. And well, what I'm getting at is just like, you, you got the performance there. And then Taylor, why don't you speak to what you notice on the components? You know? Yeah. So, right. I basically called Nico right before this podcast and I was like, you know, I don't need it. I don't need it. Talking about the Mystic rods and just getting a new rod in general. And and when I held that Mystic, it actually reminded me, you know, not to name brands of, you know, a million things here. But I had a Lama glass. I got a garage sale for $10. <laughs> and when me and my dad, we built it. And it turns out I ended up snapping it about two years into it. And I go in and. I try to find out how to repair it and I can't freaking find any, anybody that's willing to repair it. You know, like the, it's such a pain in the butt, but I love yeah. that rod. But when I held that rod, it gave me that memory of my first rod. I, I truly was like, wow, like this thing's great. And me and my dad built that, you know, and it yeah. had that same feel, you know, and, and action that I like just that nice, it has that stiffness of graphite, but it, it does have that that perfect amount of bend. Not too much, though, you know. Like, that's what I really liked about the rod. And I'm still debating on getting one right now. 
<laughs> yeah, he's he's yeah he's 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 dealing with that problem, yeah. which is a good it's problem. Your, right, Jeff? Too, too many <laughs> rods right is the problem. Spot, so uh, you're yeah. talking to the right guy. I, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you what. I mean, I, a lot of people ask me uh, to to your point. You know, to both of your points. What is your favorite rod? What do you fish with the most? Now, I live in Colorado, right? So the five weight is the weapon of choice here, and we can we can get away with the four, we can get away with the six, but the five weight is a weapon of choice. I fish my my Mystic Reaper X nine foot five weight ninety percent of the time, and I'll wow. you know I'll throw dries, I'll throw dry droppers, I'll nymph, I'll tie line, I'll I'll do everything with that one rod, and you know it, it's it, it's under three hundred dollars, and I would argue, and again you know we, we we could get into this debate, and I'm sure your listeners would love to get into the debate, but. For under three hundred dollars, I feel like it's one of the best rods on the market, and that's why we put so much, you know, effort into talking about the Reaper X. The Reaper X um, is it, it's the it's it's a it's an updated version of the original Reaper. The original Reaper is really what put Dennis Klein and Mystic on the market. You know, it kind of put us on the map. Most guys had a Mystic Reaper on their boat at the time. Uh, it was a really, really good rod. Well, we updated it a couple of years ago, and we stiffened it just slightly, tailored to your point. We mm-hmm. improved the components. We 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 improved the cork. It's all quad grade cork, so it's not you know anything less than quad grade cork, and it's still less than three hundred dollars. So. Um, I, you know, for your listeners, I'd challenge them to to test the Reaper X. Go to your fly shop if they don't have it. Have them bring one in and, and give it give it a test. But, you know, the Reaper X we make it seven foot three way all the way up to ten foot ten foot eight weight and everything in between. Right. I had to think about yeah, that for yeah. a second. Um, so it's our broadest lines. What I'm saying, like it's you know, it's got the widest variety of of uh, of, of of options there, but. Uh, really, really good rod, man, for less than 300 bucks. And, and what I actually really do like about your rods is that you do have that, these weird lengths, right? Like everyone thinks nine foot, right? Everyone's like, oh, nine foot rod, nine foot rod, nine foot rod. And like everybody has a nine foot rod. But I love the length, like like 10, like me personally, like I use a switch rod that I just, mm. you know, another kind of garage sale sneak grab. But, uh, you know, me and my dad built it up and uh, I use a switch and, you know, everyone looks at me and they're like that, you know, that's way too long. That's so overpowered, you know, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, do you not hook? Like, I I still get beat up by fish with my switch even, you know, but that length, what I've noticed is it really helps, especially if you're not super cozy with mending. It makes mending an absolute breeze, right? Like, yep. right, right. Like with the M series that you have, you have, you know, they're ten foot three, so you get a little bit extra, mm-hmm. you know. And then on the Switch series, you're eleven foot three. That's you right. know, so so you got you got that nice in between, you know. And then you have and 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but you do have the Scandinavian tapers on those yeah. on those longer rods, which is phenomenal because. I mean, I, I love the Scandinavian taper. I have a lot of experience on like the Scandinavian style rods, and um, I love the way they perform. I, I love the roll cast. Overhead cast is is if I'm throwing streamers. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, or yeah. or dry or dries, and even with dries, I'll find myself even roll casting those in situations. You know, depending on what kind of river I'm on, or if I'm dealing with a lot of wind and whatnot, I just don't get a ton of the overhead casting. There's no real real river run through it type thing going on yeah, because more, yeah. right. more to dry the fly off really for the yeah. false casting when you need to. right right and then yeah. if i'm doing that it's like you're you know if i am doing an overhead it's it's to dry the fly off and i'm i'm doing it you know um you know it, parallel in front of me you know parallel with the river to dry it off and then set it down you know but but what, what i'm getting at is just yeah in in, in, in to strengthen taylor's point is your unique links are perfect for still water applications and if people look past it the river applications we have to roll cast those extra couple inches that 10 foot three yep beautiful beautiful yeah it's i'll tell you an interesting story um about the scandinavian taper that you were talking about so we've got an eight foot three rod in our lineup that's the asable it's a cousin to the m series 
We've got 10 foot 3M series. We have that in three, four, five, six, seven, and eight weight. Then we have our trimmer series. So that's nine foot three. These are saltwater rods specific. Nine foot three, seven, eight, nine, ten weight. Uh, and then, of course, you mentioned switch rods, or 11 foot three, and then our spays. So those are all Scandinavian tapers. So what the hell is Scandinavian taper? What does that even mean? So I'll give you kind of a high-level overview, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, are very educated on this, but I'll give you kind of the, the, the first-grade level. So the extra three inches matters in a Scandinavian taper, and it's there for a reason. So when you're casting the Scandinavian taper rods, so 8-foot-3, 9-foot-3, 10-foot-3, 11-foot-3, etc., the load happens between what we call our B and our C sections. So if you think A is the tip section, B is the next, C is the there, and then D is the butt section. So the load happens between the B and the C section. Mm -hmm. But the tip, the tip has that extra three inches to create that suppleness to kind of deliver the fly in a special manner, right? And even if you're not a great cat, it kind of makes up for it a little bit. That's kind of the, the, the reason you know behind that. Um, but if you hear Scandinavian taper and you hear the extra three inches on our rod lineup, those are all Scandinavian taper. So Dennis came out with that, uh, and I, don't quote me on this, and, and I'm sure your listeners might do some research and fact check on me. But he was one of the first to come out with Scandinavian taper. People thought he was crazy. They're like, what is this extra three inches? This is the silliest thing I've ever seen. Well, go to any of the big fly rod manufacturers now and see what size their rods are. You know, they, they all caught up and um, it, it's it's just you can feel the load in that in that B in the C section. And then that flex just kind of drops that fly out there to exactly where you want it, exactly how you want to. Um, so that's all by design, by the way. Dennis, this is a brilliant rod designer. Yeah, no, I, you know, and it's funny because, you know, I'm definitely not the first person in the world to use a switch rod on like our river. Yeah, but it's not it it wasn't really that popular. And, you know, so I went in and I'm like, hey, like, I just want more length, but I want to use like that same kind of line. And people were looking at me like uh, it's a switch rod. It needs switch line, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, like that's it's not going to do it. You know, right. Like just that length. You know, it, it's it's crazy how dramatic it, it does make a difference in, hey, do I need to wade? all the way down river, cross the river, and then fish that other side of this run? Or can I fish it from the one side, you know, right. getting with that extra length? You know, it does help with that, you know, and getting those good drills. 100%. Well, right, an, an excellent outman or, or management of your outline, right? So, you know, you can have more of that line out on the water and have more effective control over it. You have more leverage. Um, you know, a little bit easier hook set. You do have those soft tips, right? On the 10-3 and the 11-3. Mm -hmm. yep. So you have those softer tips. So you, you can manage, you know, if you're running a finer tip, you know, or you got a very aggressive fish, um, that helps things out. And, you know, with that power being in the middle, um, beautiful. Like I I'll keep saying it for the roll cast. It's just like, you know, the minimal, yeah, the minimal, you know, need to, you don't have to overpower the rod. You know, it's just, it's just the whole less, the less is more approach on the casting so it's fantastic to see that here and especially like in an american-made rod that's, that's a great um adoption and adaptation at the same time um yeah it just brings you know a lot of credit to the rod it's not just a rod like what does it do oh it's fast powered or you know yeah. you're like yeah. cool like what does that mean you know that? like i don't know it's a broom handle you know right you, yeah you know, <laughs> right it just it shoots line yeah right Right. The, other, the other thing I'd say too is, you know, we I described the M series as one of the one of the rods in our lineup. It's really our flagship rod. I mean, our best seller is the Reaper X, partly because of the the the, the price point under three hundred, but partly because it's it's just a, it's a great rod. Uh, but but our M series rod, that ten foot three I mentioned earlier, and three, four, five, six, seven, eight weights. I know your listeners, and I know you guys are big fans of Phil Rowley who yes. is the, you know, obviously the Stillwater guru. He's been a friend of Mystic for 
a long, 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 long time. And and the M series five weight and six weight is what he uses out on his boats and what he uses in his seminars and what he uses, you know, when he goes out and, and you know, does these awesome boondoggles at lodges that bring him in to teach, you know, 15 guys on how to still water fish. He's using that M series. Um, right. So, I, you know, I hate to name drop, but I'm, I'm sure, you know, I want to build a little credibility for the mystic and, and having Phil as a, as a, a partner of the business, along with the two of you guys is, is just, I mean, what else can I ask for? You know? Well, I mean, you mentioned as we referred to him, his Lord and savior, not to bring religion right now yeah we're not getting religious here but it's about to get religious i mean he is yeah he, he is the overlord of 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 still water fishing and he even does extremely well and he he happens to walk uh, uh well he actually he doesn't walk in a river when he walks on a river um yeah. because yeah he walks on water get it right so I do. I do. Yeah, good, good. So, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but that's that's a massive piece of credibility right there, and 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 we're 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 more than honored, like to fall into that realm of like even being mentioned in the same breath as him. But it's kind of like he, oh yeah, you know, and and hearing it from his mouth because I I had a short conversation about it with him when we first onboarded, you know, started using Mystic fly rods and. I asked him about it and he was just like, and he told me a story. He's like, I love them and they do this and they do this and they do this. And, and, and I'm like, Oh man, I'm like, all right, well, everything kind of makes sense now. And, and not that I wasn't comfortable with, with the mystic fly rods before, but when, when you have it in that gentleman's hands, you're like, well, I mean, terrific. Like, yeah, who who can speak to that rod better than anyone? Then I mean, you know, you know just, just word of mouth you know, with any industries, right. Is that's the, oh, it's huge. that's the biggest seller, you know, like that's, you know, somebody you trust or somebody, you know, or know of saying, this is a good product. People grab it up, you know, right. Like I, I have buddies, you know, they just see my fishing pictures like, Hey, I've been thinking about fly fishing. Can you go with me? You know, I'm, I, I just bought and I'm like, no, you didn't buy anything yet. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. cause I've, I've already, you know, I'm like, don't buy a bunch of stuff. Cause I went through the suffering like, just tell me what you need and I'll find you. Tell me your budget and let's let's yep. figure out what we can get, because I'd rather you get what you're looking for. You know, well, and, and I know what Phil's talking about. Uh, you know, so I took out on the tail end of the Pyramid Lake season. I took the 10 foot eight weight uh, Reaper X out and was doing some deep yeah. water jigging with yeah. that thing. And um, I'll tell you what I got bent. I mean, I got bent hard on that thing like. Take you know it's trying to take the rod under the float tube, right? Yeah, I mean it's, it's just amazing, full bend, you know, and just being able to horse those fish in, you know, just I mean <laughs> those things that time of year they get western, <laughs> well they get western all the time, but there's something about that early season and tail end of the season when that water warms up and those pilot peaks they start they're yeah. just aggressive, they hit things with just a fury. So you have a couple things that you got to look out for. You need a stout rod because we're doing some jigging techniques, so we need. Enough stoutness there to handle yeah. uh, uh, an oversized jig. Let's just put it that way. Um, and it's probably against your manufacturer recommendation on the size of the jig. <laughs> so I'll leave that off the table. But you're running heavy, yeah. heavy jigs, but it handles it well. And then also, but it, it handles that initial impact well because it hits you like a freight train. Um, and then it, it handles the battle well. You know, and it handles it you know, all, you know, all the way in. And I always hear, like, again, refer back to Phil you know, him using the heavier weight rods. And I'm like, man, that seems like a really heavy rod, especially on a still water. Cause well, we don't have moving water. Well, it all makes sense. I'll tell you what, cause those things they have, they, they have forever to run. I mean, in a river, they can use the current against yeah. you. Yeah. They can use the current against you, use obstacles against you. No discredit to river. Cause you get hell of a fight, a hell of a fight out of a fish in the river, but that still water environment, the one thing that they have over the river fish is that they can accumulate speed at a rapid rate that a river fish can't, you know, in, in, in a steady medium. And they could just take off, boom. On top of that, on average, they generally get bigger than a river fish, you know, uh, too. So, yeah, the, 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 the baby fish are bigger than most of the river fish yeah. here. So that's the other thing, too, you know. And, and they're hitting, Jeff, they're hitting these jigs at speed. Like they're not just like sitting there, <laughs> yeah. and you're like coming up to them. It's not like you know a large mouth. A <laughs> yeah, it's not like a large mouth bass scenario where they're kind of like creeping up on it, and they're like, "Oh, I think I'll eat that," and they whack you. I mean, they're they're cruising. I mean, they're swimming, 
Yeah. And they look to their left or their right and they see opportunity and they just they turn the afterburners on and they run because they they hit that. I mean, they shock the they, they shock the bait fish when they hit it. They shock it. Boom. You know, and then yep. and then they get it down. So I'm like, you have to deal with that. And that Reaper X performed flawlessly on that. So kudos. <laughs> yeah, I, it, yeah, you, you know, I mean, the 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 the, the tenth about Nico. I mean, it, it 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 definitely feels like an eight weight, but it still has that. It, it's still a Reaper X. You know, I mean, it's still got that. Still got that same flex of the Reaper X. You still feel. Um, you know the load where you want to feel the load. You feel the, the you know like you're describing when when the when the fish hits it at speed. You know it performs. It does what it's supposed to do, and, and um, it, it it reminds me of um, we talked about this kind of offline before we came on. I, I I was down in Baja fishing for rooster fish, and it's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing, right? Like you know they they don't they don't just kind of casually take you know your fly they crush it and they go because they do not want to be caught the the a, a rooster fish is um an incredibly fish like you have to be able to get your cast out you know 50 60 feet because they know they're not going to come close to that boat because they know what it means um, and it's kind of the same thing right now you're using a 12 weight on a boat out in baja versus the eight weight but it's kind of the same exact sort of scenario, right? When they hit, you better be ready to set. You may fight for 30 minutes. I mean, you, you, it may take you 30 minutes to get that, get that fish in, in the boat or on the shore or, or in your net or whatever the case may be. And, you know, we, we've been really proud at, at how our, our rods perform in those scenarios. And, you know, again, whether I'm taking my seven foot three 50 yards from my house and fishing, you know, the Snake River through Keystone, Colorado, uh, or I've got a 12 weight down Baja. I mean, I, you know, I really like our rod lineup and, and I think it, it, it does what we say it's going to do. And, and if it doesn't, or if it breaks, we support that, you know, we want to take care of you. We want to get you back on the water. You know, like I told you offline yesterday, we want to get you there as fast as we can. And, you know, one of the things, too, and I'm kind of bleeding into a different subject, kind of circling back to supply chain issues that everyone faced over the, the pandemic and, and that kind of thing. I, I, I think at this point, you should start to see whether you own a mystic rod or you own a competitive rod, things start to loosen up. You know, you should see that turnaround time of, of you know, your, your warranty work happening a little bit faster um, and that's good overall for the industry, right? Now, yeah, yeah. If if someone goes and has a bad experience with rod manufacturer X, well, rod manufacturer Mystic would be happy, um, to, you know, to 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 put a rod in your hands and and to take care of you going forward. But 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 ultimately, you know, from a supply chain standpoint, things are starting to loosen up a little bit, and you should start to feel a little bit quicker response time on as far as getting that stuff repaired. But anyway, sorry, I kind of went down a little bit of a rat hole there. My apologies, boys. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Yeah. Well, we go down rabbit holes all the time. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're actually consecutively stuck in, I think that's why our podcast, some people like it. It should be, we, just, we go down rabbit holes. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Even when we say we won't. Yeah. Yeah. We always promise we'll keep it simple. No, it never happens. No. So <laughs> speaking, speaking of rabbit holes, as we're, as we're on this little, uh, uh, fly fishing, uh, journey, one of the most important rabbit holes for us is going down the rabbit hole with the burritos at the end. Mm. Yeah. Finally. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> Finally. So here's the thing. I know Colorado's got something good brewing up over there. Um, I've heard some stories. You can hear me rubbing my hands together because I'm excited yeah, about yeah. this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, let's talk about it. This is an important piece. I think I think food is probably one of the most, if not the most, next to having sunglasses while fly fishing, food's probably just like it's right there. Like, it's right up there. It's right up there because if you don't eat, you're like me, like – uh, Taylor witnesses all the time. Like I have like the worst gas mileage of anybody probably in the fishing world. Like I have to constantly eat to keep my energy up 
I think I have a worm. I think I've had the worm for like past 20 yeah, years. Yeah, you just, yeah. you do 100%, but then you're out. There's yeah. No coasting. It's like yeah. Nico's. No, stuff. yeah. No, I'm just like, all of a sudden, I'm sitting down on the shore. I'm, I'm sitting down on the shoreline going, dude, yeah. you got a snack because, dude, I'm done. You know, we've lost it. <laughs> do, you know what, do you know what a great fly fishing snack is other than Cheez Its? Oof, what? Beef jerky. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, beef jerky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I I don't know if I've ever gone on a flash fishing trip where I didn't have beef jerky in my backpack. Because I can't take burritos in my backpack. You know what I'm saying? Like I mean I, I guess What are I you could. talking about? <laughs> I guess I could. <laughs> it is waterproof, so there's so I've got that going for me. But if I don't have access to burritos, then beef jerky is a pretty good it's pretty good it's a pretty good snack, it, man. It is. It's a hold off, but let's let's back up here a little bit and and basically look, Jeff. I love you, man, but class is in session, so I need you to take a seat, and I'm going to walk you through this. I so, this. all right. So you own a pair of waders, correct? Probably probably more than one, right? Yep. yep. Okay. Now, uh, on that set of waders, uh, in your chest area, you more than likely have a pocket. I do. One, one with a zipper and then like a hand warming feature potentially, or that's what they call it, where you can uh, slip In Colorado, you, absolutely. Yep. Right, right. Okay. So, again, to back up to where you don't know where to put the burrito, it's a little known fact that that, that pocket, it's a hand warmer only because you can put your hands on the warm burrito in the burrito pocket. And they don't label it a burrito pocket. Just, I mean, marketing reasons, you know, a hand warmer. Warranty. Right. Void, you know. All this stuff. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's not a food thing. It's not food safe. But, Jeff, that is a burrito pocket. And I'll tell you, on the Truckee River, East Walker River out here, especially Pyramid, that is the key pocket. Because what happens is when you actually indulge in a burrito, and I'm known for making, like, nice breakfast burritos, or maybe I'll make a lunchtime. But mainly on the water, it'll be a breakfast burrito. For sure. You can only when when you're partaking in the burrito and you're one handing, you're one handing the indicator or like you're attempting to streamer fish with the burrito in hand. You need you need a quick um, location to store said sustenance uh, close by, right? So that burrito pocket it works out perfect because now it's close to your chest, right? So there's a source of warmth. So where your burrito may get cold, it'll never get like super freezing cold. I mean, unless it's like super, you know, brutally cold outside, but it keeps it relatively warm and close at hand because like, oh, I missed that strike or that fish shook off. You're like, whatever. And you I got a burrito. Yeah. You pulled a left hand back out. We got a, we got a lukewarm burrito. Hell yeah. I, you I, got a luke- yeah this yeah. was a lesson. This yeah. was a yeah. good lesson for me. Yeah. I mean, c- compare it to like pizza, like you can let pizza sit out. Right, everything's cooked. Most of the meats on it are processed. You can let it sit out of the car for a day. You know, well, I mean, I don't recommend it, but theoretically, with the right. burrito, your stuff's cooked, <laughs> right? Like, you know, and if you're dealing like with like a like one of my favorites, uh, it, everyone doesn't know it already is a carnitas burrito, like just straight up carnitas burrito, mm-hmm. like Baja style, just mm-hmm. cilantro, onions, and carnitas, right? And in the high fat content tortilla. Tortilla is good, high fat content. You're solid. That pork is already cooked, and you got a high fat content in that. It's preserving itself. The cilantro and onions, yeah, they're on their own program. They'll make it. That's rough. It's so yeah, don't don't be afraid, like to, you know, to to stretch out the the time frame on that. I mean, if it's going to take you an hour to eat it, you're fine. You can transport it, Jeff. Trust me. Supplement it with the beef jerky. I don't disagree with you there. But you got to make sure the beef jerky is good beef jerky, not Taylor Maverick style gas station beef jerky, which basically 100%. gave me a heart attack last time I went on the did river. Yeah, dude, I was like, oh, man, I, yeah, I was sweating like it gave me this huge nitrate rush because it's just full of nitrates. I was just like, what's happening? And I just felt the blood yeah. coursing through my veins. I was sweating in the car like max AC. I'm getting dizzy. I'm like, oh, I'm about to like, have a heart attack or something. And I realized it was just the Maverick gas station beef stick not beef jerky beef stick like whatever that is hey <laughs> it kept, well, so, kept me full so so I, some, I, of, I div- some of us on this podcast have made bad life choices and, and it's come to fruition by the the description you just shared nico but i i, I would 100 percent agree that a burrito 100 percent of the time 
mm-hmm. is better than beef jerky. That there's no argument from me there. Yeah. Let me ask you. Let me ask you both this. You've already said this, mm-hmm. but I'm going to ask you again, Nico. Yes, sir. And you too, Taylor. What's right. your What is your favorite burrito? Well, you, you said carnitas. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's another one. But let's go. Let Taylor go first. You know, it for me, it depends on what your goal is. There's, you know, like a rod, you have to have the application. Are you trying to get on the water fast okay. for more fishing <laughs> or are you trying to enjoy a burrito? So in that case, the Maverick grab and go, you know, preferably a uh, a sausage of some kind. I, I do enjoy it. Okay. And, you know, Nico's Nico's getting mad at me i'm losing my composure that's solely so i can keep fishing now when it comes to sitting down it's a tough call for me because yeah yeah. i you know langua to me i call langua the Um, poor man's filet mignon yeah and it's very particular you have to find the right place that cooks it right gets all the skin off the tongue right to where that's tender moist and delicious yeah you know, like you, if you get a bad language, you'll never have it again. Yeah. For your first one. But if you have the good, you'll continue to search for it. Right. Well, and I'll say, yeah, the, the carnitas burrito is mine. Uh, breakfast burrito. I have two. I love I love like the uh, uh, chorizo burritos and out here specifically because mm. yeah. we have a heavy we have a heavy Basque culture. So I like to integrate, you know, Basque uh, style like lamb chorizo. Um you know, into the burrito. Um, and the second one, which I brought out a few times at Pyramid last year to, I guess, rave reviews. Everyone that had them liked them. It was pretty straightforward. It was just a, um, a, a heavy scrambled egg. And I won't go into details on that, but it's, I'll tell you what, it's it's a heavy egg. Um, and then uh, <laughs> I do a bison, a bison short rib that okay. I cook down. It, yeah, I braise that down and then I shred it. I put it in the burrito. And then one of two toppings, either I'll, I'll, I'll put a considerable amount of uh, what they call it's a brown cow Parmesan in there, or I'll use a Spanish Manchego uh, for a little bit lighter okay. taste. All right. and, and that all melds together. And I'll tell you what, like it's, it's, you will see images of John Wayne when you bite into that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. His horse will be galloping across the other side of the lake when, as you're, you know, it's just, it's, it's magnificent, but um, enough about us. What about you? What's your oh, What's man. your favorite burrito? Come on. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, fellas. I'm I'm overwhelmed um, with your answers. First of all, <laughs> I kept the bar um, low with the Mavericks. Yeah, no, the, the, the lingua. Like I was, I, if, mm-hmm. if if we would have prepared for this pod, podcast for three hours, which obviously we didn't, I would have <laughs> never put my money on the bingo spot lingua would be mentioned as the burrito of choice. So kudos to you, Taylor. That's incredible. Thank you. Um, So, you you know, I eat like a 12 year old and I've, I've admitted it, I've accepted it and that's just the way it is, but let me get a little exotic. So in Colorado, and I think it's, this might be true outside of Colorado, but in Colorado we have this, this this Mexican deliciousness called chili Colorado, oh, and it yeah. and it's it's braised pork that's braised in this this chill this red chili almost New Mexican you know mm. kind of sauce, mm-hmm. and it is spectacular, delicious, great in a burrito. So right. I, I would I would rank that one up there. Sure, uh, yeah. If if we got in the truck or in the vehicle or whatever it is that you guys drive, and we were going to go fishing, we left at six, and you know we pop in to get a burrito. You can bet I'm going to buy a breakfast burrito that has bacon, which is mm-hmm. the number one thing on earth. Yes, and eggs uh-huh. and kind of cheese, and and hopefully, either I bring pueblo chilies from colorado with me or they have some kind of awesome uh-huh. chilies that they put in there um and that would be that would be my choice those are my two choices chili colorado and then breakfast burrito with bacon and pueblo chilies that's beautiful uh, yeah, i mean no that's beautiful and that's like so regional like you can't you can't it do is. that here you can't do it here i mean you could but it, it wouldn't be the same it'd just be a joke yeah, that's 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 yeah. a pure Colorado thing. That's yeah, that's beautiful. Is. 
Yeah. It's yeah that's, that's incredible. No, you got my. That's my, a cultural experience like, yeah. that you just described. It is. Well, it's, it's its own thing. It 100%. So my wife is from Pueblo, Colorado. Pueblo, Colorado is in Southern Colorado. And it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's an arid climate. So people think Colorado is all mountains. Where I live is all mountains. But where she's from, it's pretty kind of flat. You know, I mean, you can see the mountains in the distance. So you can grow the hell out of some fantastic chilies, which they do. And hatch green chilies, which come out in Mexico, as you, or New Mexico, as you know, Love get them. all the fame and they market the heck out of them. They do a good job and they're pretty good, but they'll yep. never be better than a Pueblo chili. So if you're ever in Colorado, I'll make sure you get some Pueblo chilies. That'd be awesome. Yes. I'm actually staring at some Basque chilies we have fermenting over here in the corner. And uh, we'll show you a little bit later. But yeah, they're uh, along that line. It's a uh, mm, they're Chilenos. I don't Chilenos. know how to explain. It's a Chileno. So it's a uh, color-wise much lighter green than a hatch, um, considerably smaller, almost Serrano-sized. Okay, uh, tiny. But, yep. but, but light green, and they pack a nice, probably like medium punch. Um, and those are popular with the bass culture out here, and we just got batches of them. So that's a fun one. Um, and then when you're out here, you'll get to we'll – actually, we'll probably just give you a jar while you're out here because um, uh, we forgot to mention that Mystic will be out here in some way, shape, shape or form of the other. Hopefully, That's Jeff right. can make it. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully yeah. Jeff can make it. But, so we'll, we'll have a, we'll have some uh, a Mystic booth out here uh, for the gear up for the mid show. So and I'm, right. I'm hope I'm hoping that you'll be there because, like I said, before the podcast started, you will be within an arm shot of the Carson City uh, taco lady. She doesn't have a website. She doesn't have like an Instagram. Nothing. She's got a phone number. That's it. And you got to know somebody that knows her to get the phone number. And she makes, uh, she makes her own masa for oh, the corn for the, yeah, no, she, she'll That's do it in front of your face. You know, Jeff, she do we, it in front of your face. We did a whole podcast on the, the making of the tortilla. Yeah, no, oh she'll, she'll do it in front of your yeah. face. She'll roll it up. She'll press it in the tortilla press. And then she, she, um, uh, grills it on the flat top and then she'll have, you know, whatever, she'll have three different meats out there. Um, all super traditional and she'll have, It'll be fantastic. Oh, fantastic! Delicious. We're getting attacked by a dog. Right? We're getting attacked by dogs out there. <laughs> so much for the soundproofing. <laughs> <laughs> we need the train to go by. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, well, before we go, because we've been doing this for a little over an hour, so um, and we we loved having you on. But I want to know it, uh, the, for the listeners if they want to look at the mystic fly rod uh lineup what's what's your website address yeah thanks nico so um you know our our website is mystic outdoors with an s.com um and we've got our full rod lineup on there our, our inventory is decent right now um just kind of over the next couple months just so your listeners know we're getting ready to build a whole bunch of M-series rods. If you remember, that's our 10-foot-3 rod. Uh, yep. We're going to build uh, some switch rods. We'll probably build those at the turn of the year, so they'll probably be January. Um, and then we've got, you know, again, a pretty good – for those of you starting to plan your kind of spring salt trips, we've got a pretty good inventory on our saltwater rods, which is the trimmer rod right now. Uh, but, again, that's all at mysticoutdoors.com. Awesome. Fantastic. And if you're in this area and you want to give one a whirl, um, I do have some demo rods out here in the Reno Tahoe area. So if you're coming to the gear up for the mid show, there'll be an assortment for you to check out there. If you want to put your hands on it, we'll be out on opening day. We'll, we, we will be on some flow craft out there. And, and if the group isn't too big, you could probably join us or we could figure something out and put a rod in your hand so you could try that out. Um, or if we have any river sessions, which we do, the weather's cooling down. So, uh, yes. we got some more, we got some more rivers opening up for us and yeah, Jeff uh, might be able to fish the truck. He won't least down. Oh yeah, he will. Yeah, absolutely. Man. Yeah. And, and the East Walker, it's going to be a, a heyday. We'll, we'll try to squeeze it in. If you make it out, that'd be fantastic. But other than that, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. I think people learned, uh, a great deal about, 
mystic and what you're about, what you have, what you represent. And and we're thankful that you came on. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and talk to the audience. Thank you both. Nico, Taylor, enjoyed it so much, guys. Thanks for everything you do. We appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Awesome. All right. And until next time, tight lines. Turn feet tall. I'll get your head out of the clouds and get your feet back in the turn feet tall. I'll get your head out of the clouds and get your feet back in the turn feet tall. I'll get your head out of the clouds and get your feet back in the turn feet tall. 